Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. All right, so here we are in a new season once again. And my personality, as you guys probably know by now, is I'm all for new. I like new, I like to keep things fresh, keep pushing things forward. Um, I know I keep Alex on her toes when, he, when we do creative series planning because I'll be like, okay, this is a six week series and then we'll go to something new. And by the third week, I'm already talking about what's new and I'm like, okay, that, that series now is behind us and I, I'm looking ahead. But I will also admit that this level of newness that we've been experiencing is not for my personality type. I don't think it's for anyone's. This is too much new. Every day there's something new. Um, yesterday, Amanda was really on her heart to just give some of the mums a break and be like, I wanna do nursery. So I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And then Olivia messaged me and she said, by the way, I have the flu. So then I'm like, don't worry, Amanda's gonna do kids and nursery. Um, <laughs> but we also have uh, uh, Grace and Jordan in there too so no no worries but um we woke up this morning too and kinsley's just like i'm not feeling super great and she didn't have anything crazy but uh we called up my parents and they came in and they're watching kinsley so that we can be here tonight and again it's just every day is something new and i'm tired and i'm exhausted and i'm confused and most days i'm left just wondering what's next but it's there in my wondering when i sit there and i think about it that i'm still hopeful i'm still optimistic i see opportunity i see rebirth and i don't know if it's just my personality type um, one way i had seen it labeled at one point was an illuminator of, per, of possibility. An illuminator of I like that. I want a t-shirt with that. Illuminator <laughs> of possibility. But at the same time, I'm scared. Like, I, I'm, I'm just scared. Uh, not of health, of just what's next, of the unknown. What scares me is that I, I don't know, that I, I'm not in control. I've shared it before, but the, the worst thing that someone could say to me is we need to talk, but not now, maybe in a couple days. I'm like, ah, like my mind just goes crazy. Um, Chris did that to me actually a couple years ago. And, and I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, like what if they're moving and going away? And he just wanted to catch up. And <laughs> but the unknown scares me. I don't know what things are going to look like moving forward. I, I don't know who's going to come back as we continue to reopen as a church. And I hate admitting this, but I don't know how to lead in a season of unknowns. Like, I just, I don't know. And every day it changes. But I was reminded recently through various um, different people of Acts chapter 2. And we had actually started going through a series on Acts just before we were shut down back in 2020. But when I went back to this, I was reminded that, yeah, there is so much hope going on here. These guys were tired and exhausted too. They just spent their lives following this guy named Jesus and they watched him die. They watched their friend, their rabbi, the guy that they trusted to be the son of God, their Lord and savior, get crucified but then he comes back 
It's like, what? Talk about a roller coaster of emotions. And Jesus tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Again, unknown. You simply have this group of people waiting. What's going to happen? I don't know. What's it going to look like? I don't know. What's our next step? He told us to wait, I guess. And this is us. At the very least, this is me. That's exactly how I'm feeling. And what's going to happen? I don't know. What's it going to look like? I don't know. What's our next step? Well, wait, I guess. And it's like, wait, wait for what? But there's more to merely waiting. We also have to keep trusting. We have to keep trusting that God has placed us here, that we have a purpose, that there's a reason. And like the disciples, we have to keep trusting that God is at work and we're being called to wait upon him and what he's inviting us into. And God's just asking us to just wait. And how do I know that God's asking us to wait? Well, for one is I've been crying out to him a lot lately just saying, God, what's our next step? What are you doing with us? What should this look like? What are we? And then I keep being reminded that we have survived a two-year pandemic. He says, I've still placed you here. You're still happening. Wait. And that's what actually gives me hope is that we're still here. I, I've been talking with friends of mine and people I know, and churches are closing their doors left, right, and center. Pastors are losing their jobs. They're having their hours cut back. Churches are struggling. Yet here we are. And it blows me away and it excites me because I'm like, then we got to be here for a reason. It's kind of how my mom talks about my life. There were many moments I was almost killed. And I wasn't. I was spared at the last second. And she's like, well, he's got to be here for a reason. <laughs> well, here we are. And it's by the grace of God and what I can only classify a miracle that we're still here. So do you remember what happens in Acts chapter 2 as they wait together? I'm going to read this. It's Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived. Now, let me just say, they didn't know this was the day of Pentecost. This was just a day to them. They were gathered together. So when the day of Pentecost, or just Monday, Tuesday, whatever day you want to call it, when it had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. Can you imagine that you're getting together, you're waiting, and you're not sure what's going to happen? You just have no idea. And then suddenly this windstorm takes place inside. Fire comes down, lands upon each of your heads, and you're kind of thinking, what's happening? And essentially, God's showing them at this point that his spirit, that his presence was now living in each one of them, which, by the way, is the same spirit that we have as followers of Jesus. And they suddenly begin speaking in other languages. And people on the outside could hear them. 
They were watching them, and they're thinking they're drunk. And Peter stands up to preach, and he says, no, 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 we're not drunk. We are evidence of God doing a new thing. And friends, church family, let me encourage you this evening by saying, we are evidence of God doing a new thing here in Binbrook. People might look from the outside and think, they're crazy. (laughs) But we are evidence of God doing a new thing. We've experienced it ourselves, and that's what we have to come together and spur each other on and then take that back out into the community to make Jesus known so that lives will be transformed. Do I know what it's going to look like? Nope. Do I know what's going to happen? Nope. (laughs) But do I trust that God has gathered and placed us here for a reason? Absolutely. Jesus didn't come for us to go to church. He came to set us free, and he calls us to be the church. So Jesus didn't come to this earth, live a blameless life, die a brutal death, prove himself to be Lord over death by resurrecting himself three days later, just for us to go through the Sunday or Saturday motions. I guess Sunday is where you then go to Swish LA following the service. With my family, it's Subway. We take the kids too. But Jesus began a revolution. And he invites us to join him in a movement like no other. You see, Peter was a follower of Jesus. He joined in on this revolution. And then he called out his people for being a corrupt nation. And for killing an innocent man. But the best part of it all is when he exposed the enemy's greatest threat death that was what they held over everyone oh you don't like what we what we're saying we'll kill you you don't want to follow us we'll kill you and peter exposes that this threat that you once held over us is no longer there it had no more power why because jesus is alive and this is the same message that we still get to proclaim today that jesus is alive we don't have to be afraid well, what if I, I lose my job? What if, what if this happens? What if we're so good at the what if game? But Jesus is alive. So if Jesus didn't come for us to go to church, but to set us free and be the church, how do we do this? So I'm going to jump back into Acts chapter 2, this time starting down in verse 42. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I love that line, they devoted themselves. Do you know of anyone that you would call a devoted follower of Jesus? Now, of course, I hope people would say that about all of us, but... You know what I mean? Those people who are just kind of a cut above the rest. Like, whoa, 
Like they practice what they preach. And for me, it was my late friend and pastor, Ken Strom. Man, this guy was a devoted follower of Jesus. He had been through it all. As a kid, he had polio. He had been put in the iron lung. He had a deformed leg as a result and had a limp for the rest of his life. He took care of his wife, Nova, who had severe rheumatoid arthritis and many other health complications. He lost everything, church planting, twice, and then through another few bad investments. He was hurt immensely by a church that he had loved and served for 18 years. And I met him when he was already in his 70s. And he was the kindest, most generous, loving, and devoted man. And I remember walking by his office one day, and he was down on his knees praying with the church directory open in front of him. And he was praying through every single name. And at that time, our church was about 300. And after he would pray for them, he would just send them off an email, not to let them know he was praying, but just to check in and see how they were doing and ask if there was anything he could pray for. And he'd go back and pray for them again. He always wanted to learn and to grow. He, he was 70 years old and he got an iPhone and an Apple computer. And he's like, all right, Kev, teach me this. And he just wanted to stay up to date. And on the day that he died, it was a Sunday morning and he was in his shower getting ready to preach the word. Man, Ken loved his wife. He loved his four daughters. He loved the church. But more than anything, Ken was in love with and devoted to Jesus. So how do we be the church? We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And the four have to go together. You, you can't separate them or leave one out without damaging the whole thing. So we devote ourselves to teaching. Where no attention is given to teaching and constant lifelong Christian learning, people will quickly revert to the worldview or the mindset of the surrounding culture. And as a result, we end up with our minds shaped by whatever social pressures are most persuasive, with Jesus being a faint influence or memory. And I know I harp on social media enough, but we can see it in plain sight there. We devote ourselves to fellowship. And this is more than mere friendship. This is about coming together and doing life together with other believers where people ignore the common life of the Christian family. They become isolated and often find it difficult to sustain a living and vibrant faith. I believe COVID has been one of the greatest tools of the enemy for this very reason. I saw a tweet last weekend from another pastor who said something similar. He wrote, nothing good happens in isolation. Solitude is a gift from God. Isolation is a tool of the enemy. We need one another. And again, I'll peel back the layers. I need you. January was a brutal month. I already shared in November my mental health was bad. I'm now in the process of switching some medications, transitioning to a new one. Um, but I love the doctor's reminder when I told him. I said, I'm struggling. And it, it's, this month has it's hit me hard. He said, this medication isn't going to change your situation, your circumstance. It's not gonna put you on a beach in Hawaii. It's not gonna remove your kids. It's not gonna take off any of the other responsibilities or demands. 
just so you know. I'm like, well, can you give me a prescription for that? <laughs> but as much as I know that I'm struggling and I need some of the help with the medication, I also know that it's isolation that's doing a number on me. This past month, our kids went back to school finally and Amanda went back and she was teaching. And for the first time during this pandemic, I was actually just on my own. And I'm like, this sucks. I didn't realize how much the kids and Amanda were actually keeping me sane. So this is a fresh breath breath of fresh air, <laughs> fresh of breath air, a breath of fresh air to be able to come together and to worship together and to know that we are not alone. We're in this together. And when we come together, we devote ourselves to breaking bread, where people no longer share regularly in the breaking of bread, which is the early Christian term for the simple meal that took them back to the upper room in remembrance of Jesus. I believe we're failing to raise the flag, which says Jesus' death and resurrection is at the center of everything. Everything we do flows out of his love and his grace for us. It's why we break bread weekly here at the well when we gather together to take a moment to become present to his presence and be reminded that this is about Jesus' work on our behalf. And then last but not least, we devote ourselves to prayer. And whenever we do all of these things but neglect prayer, we're forgetting that we're supposed to be heaven and earth people. Prayer makes no sense whatever unless heaven and earth are designed to be joined together. We're invited to share in bringing them together through prayer. So for those of us who've grown up in the church, this can seem humdrum, plain, simple, ordinary. But for the first audience, Hearing this, experiencing this, witnessing it, it was revolutionary. Because imagine a world without these things. A world where heaven and earth don't come together. Where we're isolated and alone. Where we just go with whatever culture says feels good at the time. Well, I think we've experienced some of that. And we've discovered it's pretty bleak. It's pretty dark. But now imagine living in that kind of dark world. And then you find yourself being swept up in this new pattern of teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. And you begin seeing these new dimensions of reality opening up before your very eyes. That's awesome. And that's exactly what's happening for the disciples. And I believe that's still what's happening today. Jesus came to set us free from the darkness of our world and even ourselves. And he calls us to go out and be the church. You see, we'll never change the world by going to church. But what happens is we gather together to practice these things so that we can keep being the church and bringing light and hope to the dark corners of our world. So I want to wrap up by just asking you, are your current patterns creating and sustaining a deeper devotion to Jesus? I know that COVID's made it extremely hard. There are days when I would answer that question and say, yes, this has given me time. It's given me space. It's given me opportunity to just sit and listen to God. But I'll also admit that there's days where I'm like, no, I feel so much further away than I ever have. 
teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands or anything, but just in your mind, if you had to put these practices in some sort of order, which is currently your strongest? Like, which one would you put at the top out of those four? Or which one is your weakest, sitting at the bottom? As I admitted, fellowship would be my weakest. Um, I felt very isolated, which then kind of couples together with breaking bread. Maybe for you they're all at the top, or maybe for you they're all at the bottom. (laughs) Whatever it is, it's okay. But Jesus is inviting us to experience life transformation. And he's saying, devote yourselves to me. Devote yourselves to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, to prayer, so that you'll have what it takes to experience life, to experience joy and hope and peace, no matter what life brings. So I just want to take a minute now to to wait upon God and to listen to his voice. And then in a few moments, simply ask him, say, God, what's one area that I need to work on this week? And of course, like I said, we need all four, but let's just take one step at a time. What do you need to devote yourself to this next week? Teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer. So let's just take a moment now to, to sit in silence, to talk with God and to listen for his voice. Heavenly Father, I, I'm so glad that we can come back together and worship you in person. And I'm so glad that we still have the opportunity to connect with those online. And I pray that they too will be encouraged and challenged by what you put on my heart tonight to really think through what what is it that I need to work on this week so that we can devote ourselves to you. Father, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus, for the life that he offers us, and for setting us free. God, help us to overcome the challenges we're facing, maybe the the tensions or uncomfortabilities as we readjust to this new way of life. Help us to overcome these obstacles so that we can continue to lean into you and have a vibrant, living, and active faith so that we can spread that throughout our community. Heavenly Father, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.